Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. What a voice he had. Yes, what a voice. Sammy Davis Jr. starting us off just in time for Valentine's Day, a little over a week away. So, of course, we're going to be talking about candy this week and candy that's made right here in Connecticut at Fosha's Chocolates in Waterbury, to be exact. Now, if you've never heard of Fosha's before, they are worth looking up. In fact, you could even go to their very own shop. It's in Waterbury. If you're wondering, it's on Chase River Road, 44 Chase River Road. It's right off Route 8. If you're on the northbound side, get off exit 36. If you're on the southbound side also, get off exit 36, and you'll be there. It's really not far at all away from the exit ramp. So you get off exit 36, northbound or southbound in Waterbury. You'll be there at Foss's Chocolates in Waterbury. I had the absolute pleasure. I mean the pleasure, the honor of meeting Carmen Romeo. He is the owner, the president of Foss's Chocolates. He took me around the whole store, showed me the behind-the-scenes operation and everything, and let me record our conversation about it. And that is what we'll have this week on Spotlight Connecticut. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Bell. I play lead guitar for Autograph and House of Lords. I'm from Wethersfield, Connecticut, and I am listening to Spotlight Connecticut with my good buddy, Morgan Cunningham. Carmen, I'm so happy to be here with you at Fosha's in Waterbury, and we're currently at this huge facility, 19,000 square feet, you've told me, but it wasn't always that way for you guys. It started literally as a mom-and-pop confectioner. Uh, 58 years ago in my mother and father-in-law's basement right here in Waterbury. Uh, it was there for 21 years. The last seven of that, they did finally get a retail facility, but we're still making chocolate in their basement. So their first storefront was less than 1,000 square feet. It was like 600 square feet. And they were bringing chocolate from the house to the store to sell. So finally, they did make it a full-time business, and they moved several times until they got to a space where they were for 18 years. Again, here in Waterbury, this is their third location at this point, fourth location at that point. My in-laws were working the business in their late 60s, early 70s, and still running it every day. And then uh, they were forced to suddenly move because their building was sold, and they didn't have, they had a month-to-month lease, and we went into an industrial park where they had to keep the business going because they needed to retire, but they had to find what were they going to do. So they were literally starting all over after 44 years in business. Um, now, during the same time, simultaneously, my, uh, my job, I'm an engineer by training, and I was running a manufacturing company. My company was going to move, and I didn't want to move with it, so I convinced my wife that we should be in the chocolate business. She was quite, quite frankly, she was against that because she grew really? up. Really? Yeah, you know, um, you know, you, it's a great business. We love it. We have a lot of passion for it. But it's not an easy business to run because of the seasonality that's involved. Cash flow is a hard thing. Uh, getting the right employees at the right time of the year. So all of those things, it made it, she grew up with it. And she, I had to convince her that we should be in the chocolate She business. saw it from the behind the scenes. She saw it growing up, the whole, the worst part of it, right? Not the glamour part of it. Um, so I came into the business 14 years ago. Now, at that time, we were in a little industrial park trying to make our way, starting to wholesale our chocolate for the very first time. 
we made it out of there by buying the large 19,000 square foot building we're sitting in today. It's been 10 years that we've been here. We didn't even use the whole 19,000 square feet when we first started out here. We, I rented a bunch of it for storage, but over the last few years, we've completely taken over our, home, our own spot and uh, we're thriving in it and hoping to grow in it by you know doing all the things that we do between the events and that's part of the space a lot of the space is dedicated to yeah we're sitting in the we're, event si room. we're sitting in an event room that can hold 50 to 60 people with me talking about chocolate we've had over 47,000 people sit in the room we're sitting in which looks right out to the factory. It's a beautiful view. I think we should just pause here because this is radio. Sure. We don't have visuals, but just <laughs> describing this room, it feels kind of like a schoolroom, right? Yeah. We have a, uh, a monitor up here, which actually is a camera attached to it mm -hmm. that can really zoom in on the factory. But if you look over to your right on the side of the classroom here and uh, big glass windows, you can see right into the factory the tables where the chocolate and the candies are cooled, um, the, the ladies that are back packaging up the boxes, and you see the caramel melting over there. You can see it all. Absolutely. So you know it's live because you're watching it. But the camera mounted on the ceiling, again, it's pan, tilt, zoom. I can zoom as close as closer than you can even get if you were out it's there. It's true, it's true. <laughs> uh, so we saw, you know, we saw a product being poured out and we were right there. We were within a foot from where the product would be by the camera. Yet we're watching it happen from the room. So yeah, the school groups we have, the senior groups we have, the, the, you know, industrial, the associations, we have a lot of professional groups come in, corporate groups that wanna have a little party or a little you know, side thing, uh, you know, just offsite meeting. I'll add the chocolate making to it and the little chocolate talk that we do and we call it the chocolate experience and uh, they can have their meetings and, and enjoy whatever, you know. So we do a lot of things at nighttime for private events. And we do a lot of, like I said, school groups, senior groups, Girl Scout troops, those kinds of groups come a lot. You mentioned seasonality just a few moments yes. ago. And when I think chocolate and seasons, uh, what comes to my mind, some of the, the big ones, Halloween, Christmas, we're coming up on Valentine's Day 2023, Easter as well. So did I hit on the big ones? You hit on the big three. Halloween is a blip for us. It's oh, all, is it? Well, it's one of the largest confectionery holidays in the world, in the country, but only for companies like Hershey's, Mars, Nestle, a con gourmet confectioner like ourselves. Yes, of course we produce Halloween themed stuff, but it's a very small blip compared to the other three. Christmas and the holiday period, Hanukkah, we are kosher by the way. We're one of the only high-end confectioners that are kosher. Nice. So we, you know, Places like West Hartford and others are really, we get a lot of support from the Jewish communities because of kosher. But, um, but that whole holiday period represents about 35% of our total business. Valentine's and Easter, both together, are about 20% each. That means it's 75% of our business is done in less than half the year. So that's the seasonality. And that's why it's so important for you guys to have this event space where you can do these chocolate classes, where you can bring me in here and other groups um, of all ages too, because now you're exposing other people, not just to the behind the scenes, uh, but the retail as well, um, be, to get people in here in July, for instance. Absolutely, it's a matter of survival. Uh, my in-laws in the older days, they, they closed the business for a month or two in the year, June, July and August. 
because it was just you couldn't sell enough chocolate to keep keep it going. When it was just them, they could do that. But when we have, you know, I have 34 employees now, I can't tell them all to go home and hope to retain them. So we got to keep working. And I have to, you know, uh, I have to make that work. So event was one way of doing it to get people to come here. And uh, we have a lot of events. So it's helped keep the base a little bit higher than it was. Um, the other base would be the wholesale part of our business where other companies are selling our chocolate. Right, and I wanted to get into that because there are so many different ways for not just your business, Fosh's Chocolates, I'm speaking with Carmen. Uh, what are you, the, the president, the owner? So I like to say I am the president, but okay. I, my first introduction is, hi, I'm Carmen. I'm the son-in-law here at Fosha's. All right, Carmen, the son-in-law at Fosha's. <laughs> I knew you had a special title. Yeah, that's my special title because we have three generations here. My son is working in the business now. He graduated college. He's been working since he was young. I have a 16-year-old nephew working here as well. So my father-in-law, who was 87 years old, is still here most days. In fact, I, today, I took him home on one of my little errands before oh, we nice. were talking. So he's 87. He came in in the morning, with uh, got a ride in. He doesn't drive anymore. But um, And I took him home. And so he's here probably most of the week, at least a few hours a day, because he just likes to keep – he was born and raised with this business. He loved it. And uh, so we have three generations now, my father-in-law and my son working together. And that's great to see that. So you're Carmen Romeo, son-in-law, in parentheses, president, Fosh's Chocolates Waterbury. So when we're talking about expanding the business, right, um, there are so many different business models that you could have gone down the path of. You could have satellite retail locations. You could do maybe pop-up events or whatnot. But um, there are a number of stores throughout Connecticut now. So it's not just in the Waterbury area, but you're spreading out who are carrying your products. And one of the businesses that I recently talked to and was part of Spotlight Connecticut, ATB, America the Beautiful, and New Hartford, they're also selling your candies. So could you talk a little bit about how other stores have discovered you and started to carry your chocolate products? Sure. So I mentioned that we had a, a, a situation where my in-laws were forced to move. And when we went into the industrial park environment, our first foray into wholesale was literally a florist up the street who were good friends of ours. And we said, look, we need a retail location. So why don't you be it? And that's our first foray into wholesale without any planning. Um, now, when I came on board, that was one of the first things I had to do was start adding wholesale just to be able to survive. So it became some florists, some pharmacies, gift shops, it took a while before we got ourselves to the point with packaging and all the stuff you have to see, you know, allergy information and, and, and all the nutritional information that you need and the packaging that you need. So when I got to that point, we had a lot of people calling us and they were gift shops and they were, again, places like that. We have the Mark Twain Museum, go figure. So their gift shop would have our product in it. I grew it to about 35 to 40 locations. Um, and that was good and it was the Waterbury area and some far reaches of Connecticut but over the last five years we've really accelerated and and actually started knocking on some doors and we have go targeted the grocer grocery market so we are now in a lot of independent grocers and we're stretching from the northwest part of Connecticut up in Lakeville at a florist down into Darien and uh, some of Westchester County New York we're out in East Lyme and Essex and places like that. 
not so much in the quiet corner, but we are in Colchester and Portland. And we are now at the point of looking on our map and saying, where should we be? So we'd love to be everywhere. Uh, we have about 85 locations now selling our chocolate, and I would hope it's 185 in the near future. So that's your goal. Do you have any set like year and five years you want to be at that level, or no. you're just doing it as it happens? First of all, we want quality partners. So we're finding them. They're finding us. We get a lot of people calling us to sell our chocolate when they hear because a lot of these people talk to each other. So that's one way. We'll let, if people want to sell our chocolate, certainly we're going to have some vetting of them. You know, they got to have a nice place. they got to take care of it. But we're knocking on some doors as well. So the marketing approach of Fosh's Chocolate, are you going to these stores, knocking on their doors with some free samples, saying, is this something you'd be interested in selling? Or like you mentioned, the word of mouth. What tends to work best? Definitely being on site, trying to get their attention, getting them to taste the chocolate. Because quite frankly, that's the first thing. We make a high quality product that we're very proud of. We don't try to oversell it. Some people and a lot of people tell us it's the best they've ever had, and we're very gratified with that. But getting them to taste it is probably number one. After that, the fact that we've merchandised it in a way where we could take up no shelf space in a, in a grocery store. We have our own rack, takes up very little space. We put it there with our sign, and it literally, again, hopefully sells itself at that point. So making it easy for the merchant to say yes was one of our key goals and what we've done and that's how we started uh, the first 30 30 40 places we didn't have a merchandising rack we just gave them our chocolate and they put it on whatever shelf they had now it's becoming a little bit more uniform and easier to do still have those specialty stores who just put it wherever in bookcases or racks or what have you but a lot of them like it the way we've presented it so that's helped us grow you know we went to a specialty gift show a specialty food and gift show in massachusetts back in september and from that show we got orders from five or six different gift shops spread throughout new england so now i can tell you we are in every state in new england we're not everywhere in all those states, but we have, we at have least, a presence. We have a presence in Massachusetts, Vermont, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, and Maine. I've got to ask, can you tell me and our audience on Spotlight Connecticut, and for those of you who are just joining us, I'm chatting with Carmen Romeo, son-in-law, a.k.a. president at Foss's Chocolates in Waterbury. Could you tell me a little bit about the cherry cordials? Because before we were recording, you told me there's a story there. I don't know if you're willing to talk about it on air. Absolutely. Maybe a little hard to think about, but if everybody knows what a maraschino cherry is, that's, you know, cherry on top of your sundae. Absolutely. <laughs> so we take those maraschino cherries. And uh, the process that we follow is, I, I estimate, maybe 5, and 10, five to 10 out of 100. So 5 to 10% of all confectioners would do this this way and it's not a secret but it's just a hard way to do it so imagine putting that cherry in a spinning bowl and this bowl is tilted and it's a machine it's called a panning machine we spray that cherry with the juice it came with so they're very dry when we start out we dry them off but we save the juice then we spray the juice with a spray bottle it gets it just wet enough that we can add sugar to it the sugar sticks the more we do it, the more sugar sticks. It's like a snowball getting bigger, bigger, and bigger. We make fairly large cherries here. 
Uh, they're really their golf ball size. So when we get all that sugar coated on the cherry, it's very delicate. We then put a little bottom on it, and then we send it through a machine we call an enrober. Now, enrober, like wearing a robe, you're all covered up. An enrober is a waterfall of chocolate over a moving product on a wire belt. So it coats it. Now, not enough. We coat it twice. So it goes through once, then again, and then it sits. Now, even those can leak a little bit. And I remember showing you some of the spots of juice right, right. that had leaked out. But they finish leaking, and all that sugar turns into juice. But it takes about 10 days to two weeks to yeah, happen. Yeah, they sit on a rack. They sit on a rack at room temperature. If it's too cold, they won't cordialize as fast. So that's an old-fashioned, old slow way of doing it. But you get a better tang. You get a better cordial juice. Some people, and there are companies who make them on a machine, and companies who don't bother doing their cherries at all, they buy them from companies who make them on a machine. Essentially, they'll make a little cup of chocolate. They'll add the cherry and juice, and then cap the cup of chocolate. So it's, instead of making them inside out, like we do, they make them outside in. And there's just no comparison between the tang you get from the cherry cordial we make and those that are machine made. The advantage of the machine made, much cheaper. You can eat them right away, but not as good. At least that's what our customers tell us, and we, we think as well. And you guys have this slogan, you pride yourselves on handmade candies. So our little tagline, Fasha's Chocolates, family handcrafted since 1964. We get the family piece in there, because it's three generations. The handcrafted piece, because we do things here on cop, we stir on copper kettles, we cool on marble slabs, we let it sit for something like a caramel sits five, six hours, and even overnight. Uh, we don't try to rush things, and that's where the quality and the taste does really come from. Now, Morgan Cunningham, our guest is Carmen Romeo. He is making me really hungry with all this chocolate talk. He's taking us to Fosh's Chocolates Waterberry. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I kissed you. I'm Morgan Cunningham. That is the Everly Brothers. Boy, they don't write them like that anymore. Till I kissed you, getting us back from the break on this Valentine's program. So we are playing songs that have some kind of romance theme, right? It makes sense, huh? As we talk about Fosh's Chocolates over in Waterbury, specifically on Chase River Road, you can go there and explore their retail. You can also ask. Just ask kindly there, and they'll likely take you to the glass in the back. It's down a hall, and you can see into the factory where they do all of the work that goes into the chocolate that you get to eat. That's obviously what we're talking about this week on Spotlight Connecticut. But just make sure you go and ask them. They are such a polite staff, and I'm really not just trying to sell us chocolate. I'm not trying to sell the chocolate at all. In fact, I'm just telling you what they're all about and how they do what they do. Um, but they are a really friendly group of people there. And if you are curious and learning a little bit more about how chocolate's made, just ask. They will tell you a little bit more about it. Um, just get on Route 8 north or southbound, get off exit 36, and you will be just about right there. Look for Chase River Road and Fosh's Chocolates isn't too far away. Carmen Romeo, a really great guy, very kind. He showed me around and talked all about it. 
And we will continue that conversation in a moment on Spotlight Connecticut. But for those of you who want to know where you can hear these shows again, you can easily go to WTIC.com or download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, and you can find podcasts of Spotlight Connecticut. Now, somebody mentioned to me just the other day, they're like, Morgan, you're not on the website. Yes, I am on the website. If you go on WTIC.com and click on Podcasts, You'll see a list of programs. Look for Spotlight Connecticut. If you click Spotlight Connecticut, there they will be. You'll find all of the shows that you've missed or want to hear again. Just go to WTIC.com, look under podcast, and see, I did tell you, they are there. They really are. And if you have a show idea, they're always welcome or other remarks. I'm getting a bunch every week, so I'll keep giving out the email, and hopefully you'll keep your suggestions coming. Maybe they'll lead somewhere. I don't know what will tickle by fancy. I know I've got a recommendation to go out to Woodbury soon, so maybe we'll head out to Woodbury. Morgan.Cunningham at odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y. This is WTIC in Hartford. This is Cindy in Lebanon, and I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. We're back on Spotlight Connecticut. I'm sitting here with Carmen from Fosha's Chocolates of Waterbury, which you can find at stores now, not just throughout Connecticut, but New England, of course. We're talking about that. I'm sitting here in the event room, and I know you guys have a number of other kinds of events and opportunities here. Um, could you talk a little bit more about them? Absolutely. We have a lot of events. So 47,000-plus people, people have sat in this room over the last nine years. Um, our signature event is something we call the chocolate experience and I'm the only one who quote unquote teaches that and it's the hit, making a chocolate bar. So we bring chocolate in and people get a variety of different things to put in their chocolate and it happens right here in this room and um, I talk about the history of chocolate, how it starts out as a flower on a tree and grows from a bean to a bean, how it gets from a bean to a bar, how it goes from a bar of chocolate to a box of chocolate and all the things that we do here. I give a little family history in there. It's about an hour long. It includes some chocolate sampling and it's very, very informative. We've done it for the, we do it for the public. Saturdays are our main day uh, during school vacation, summertime. We will add, like summertime we have them several times during the week, during the day. So the public can come. Uh, we do a lot of school groups, a lot of senior groups, a lot of special needs type groups. Uh, we've even had colleges and, 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 uh, and professional groups come listen to me do this. This is an hour long thing. And, um, you know, it's a very it's a nice, inexpensive way of enjoying time for the whole family because you can be five years old or 85 or 95. There's no limit to what you can do. So that's our signature event. We have a, an event we call a make a bar, which is really just focused on making the chocolate bar. There's still learning involved, but I, since it's not always me doing it, I have some of my staff. It's a little more video uh, presentation and, and some overview of chocolate, but a little bit shorter. But those can be, uh, those can be scheduled for four people, meaning you don't have to have, a, we don't have to have it on our website. If you want to come, you, all you have to do is call and say, hey. So we get a lot of people for that because they're maybe they're out of state and they're here for a vacation or they're driving through. And as long as we know ahead of time, we'll try to find a time. So four or more people can schedule a private makeup bar. 
We also added a, this year a brand new event. We are painting on chocolate. So we make a chocolate figure of some kind. And sometimes it's seasonal for the holidays, or we have, you know, we have a Valentine-specific one coming up, and we'll definitely have an Easter-specific one. But right now, you're doing, you know, trains and clowns and balloons and all kinds of fun shapes, and we give people edible paint to literally paint on their chocolate. Get and, out of and, here! And, That's fun. You know, it's in a little <laughs> gift box, so it's a wonderful, uh, fun thing. You can, you know, people love these painting classes. Well, now you can paint it and eat it at the same time. Now that's something. That's innovative, Carmen. <laughs> it's very, very unique. Um, Only at Fosh's Chocolates. Yeah. Here, the other unique event that we do that's uh, in partnership now with the Railroad Museum of New England, more pro otherwise known as the Naugatuck Railroad. The railroad tracks are literally behind on our property behind our building. And about seven years ago, it took me a couple years to convince the railroad, because they're all a group of volunteers, and they would be uh, a sightseeing train. This is similar to our other big train in Connecticut, is the Essex Steam Train in Riverboat, who I also partner with. I do a lot of their wine and chocolate pairings on the, uh, the riverboat or on the train so we do a partnership with them but here in my backyard I have a train running that does scenic tours they do stop here and drop people off to shop but our signature event is something we call the chocolate decadence tour it starts at their 1800 era train station in Thomaston we get on the train with up to 90 people we sell it out most of the time and on that train we do a chocolate and wine pairing to Fasha's then they get off and come in and make some chocolate and continue the night. It's about a three-hour round trip. and uh, That's cool. It's extremely unique. We've been doing it now for seven years. Um, back about five years ago, we won, very proud to have won the Connecticut uh, Governor's Tourism Partnership Award with the railroad. Congratulations. So we had a statewide award there for the partnership we created. We run that tour uh, starting in April and through October. So it's not being run now in the winter months as we're talking about it, but it definitely runs. And I, we just sat down the other day to start sketching out the 2023 schedule. So there'll be one in, Octo in August, I think it's, excuse me, April, April 22nd, I think is the first one. We've got a couple in May, a couple in June, and, and, and the rest of the year we're kind of putting together as we speak. What do you hear from people who come here, right? They see the process, they learn about it, they hear the Fascia's history, uh, maybe they get off the train, they, they paint a chocolate bar, whatever it is. Is there any one lasting remark or story involving a client or someone who's come here that has stood with you all this time? Um, you know, first of all, they love the story, and there is nothing like coming here and seeing my father-in-law walk around or come out and greet people but really the most the most consistent thing is wow this is great chocolate which we love to hear and i very rarely to our own horn so to speak with regard to we love our chocolate we eat it all the time uh and we make a great product and i hear that not only from people who show up here and eat it for the first time and go oh wow but consistently a lot of our corporate customers who will gift our chocolate to their customers. So we send our chocolate all over the country for our clients. And it's never, it always comes back that, oh, my client called and they said that was the best chocolate they ever had. So to have somebody from West Coast or South you know, Florida or where have you call back to their gift, gifting company and say that was a great piece of chocolate. 
that's very gratifying. And that's probably the most consistent thing we hear is how good a product we make. I think it's interesting. You made a distinction when we were talking earlier between a company that makes chocolate and a company that makes candies, right? Um, it's, I guess, customary that just because you're eating candy from somewhere doesn't mean that they've made every component that's gone into it. What's the difference? Okay, so let's break it down and say that there is a classification of companies who make chocolate from a bean. They're literally sourcing the bean. Well, maybe they're not going into the country like Ivory Coast or Ghana. They may be buying it from a broker, but the bigger companies go right into that, that country, work with the farmer, source the beans, bring them back, and make big bars of chocolate. None of those companies are household names. Yet five make about 65% of all the world's chocolate. The bigger companies that most people listening will know, the Hershey's, the Mars, the Nestle's, Lint's, these are companies who are confectioners. They do all have components of making chocolate, but even Hershey's buys three quarters of their chocolate. Most of the people who think of chocolate companies, Godiva, Russell Stover's, Whitman's, Cadbury, big companies like that, and then local companies like ourselves, we are all buying chocolate. We are what is known as a confectioner, or even a subset of confectionery is chocolatier. We're buying chocolate, and then we're doing wonderful things with it. Yes, we're taking that same chocolate, and the quality that you buy is going to obviously determine how good you can be. You can take a mediocre chocolate and make it better by adding really wonderful caramel creams and things that we do, like gourmet truffles. It's the recipe and the way that you do it. But if you start with great chocolate and then do all the right things, you're going to have the best. And that's what we've told, we keep getting told that we make. Like I said, we just make what we like. And, and we are Swiss-style chocolate, which appeals to many people. And the difference between Swiss and Belgian chocolate, just to make that distinction, has nothing to do with the bean. It has to do with how the bean is roasted. And a higher, darker roast, I always use an analogy of coffee. So Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts, very different to the taste, right? And no matter how much sugar you put in at Starbucks, make a latte or whatever, you're flavoring it up, but it still has that base flavor. Well, chocolate's the same way. Belgian chocolate tends to be a darker roast with a much more, you know, very stringent chocolate taste. And a Swiss-style chocolate tends to be a little more mild and what I think most people enjoy. We are a Swiss-style chocolate, and I'm very partial to it. <laughs> you mentioned favorites. Yes. I'm sure that everybody in this factory has their own favorite. But when you say you make your favorites, what does that mean? Well, example, I mean, yes, we make over 100 plus different items. So I have to say, like my children, I don't, you know, it depends on the day whether I like one or better than the other, right? <laughs> but uh, so I have my own favorites, but I'll use caramel as an example, okay? You can make caramel many different ways. You can make it soft. You can make it chewy. You can make it buttery. You can make it, you know, depending on how your recipe, what your recipe is. So you know, we like, we love our caramel. We get a lot of good compliments about our caramel, but I make it a certain way. It's my father-in-law's recipe. One thing I've been very careful not to do is change anything. I've added to, but, uh, and I'm a pretty good chocolatier in my own right, but I learned everything from my father-in-law. We do not change that recipe because it's so good. It's been passed down the generations that Fosh's has existed. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's going to continue as far as, as long as I'm around for sure. Um, so our favorites, well, we make what we like and, and we hope other people like it.
What about inflation? And I've asked so many people this over the last year because it has been a problem. How has it impacted FASHAs or what have you done to work around it to ease that crisis that's been affecting everybody in their wallets? So our margins aren't what we would like them to be <laughs> because of the cost. We haven't raised our price to go along with the cost of goods. Um, we try to work smarter and hopefully more volume. We can, uh, uh, we can, with more volume, we can survive on a lesser margin. But it's across the board. Chocolate's more expensive. Uh, ingredients like even we were talking about Skippy peanut butter and what the cost of a jar of peanut butter was and is. It's probably double, almost double what it was not that long ago. And our peanut butter cups haven't really changed their price, even though there's a lot of peanut butter and chocolate in there. Uh, really, it's about trying to buy more, buy better, buy smarter, um, level load, and, and our labor is a huge component, and uh, and try to work more efficiently, try to, try to keep the price under control. We went a full seven years without a price increase. As we were growing, we kept our standard one-pound box of chocolate the same. Uh, we did two years ago increase it, but we haven't in the last two years. So we haven't, with this huge spike of inflation, we have not raised prices. That's impressive. Yeah. We're, we're going to try to ride it out and hope that things come back to some sense of normalcy. We might be forced to, you know, our minimum wage here in the state is going up again to its final $15 an hour step. That's Correct. impacted us. We have a lot of part-timers, a lot of high school and college that, you know, I'm happy to pay them, but I would ra much rather pay people $20 an hour and 12 or 13 So, yes, the minimum wage has affected uh, what we have to charge because some of these, you know, a 16-year-old, 17-year-old just sometimes doesn't do the job as well as somebody a little bit more seasoned and experienced, and I have to pay them the same amount. I understand. I understand. Yeah. What else that we haven't touched on? I know that we're running short on time here, but if there's any other thing that you could tell us about, something we didn't hit on. I, I actually, I love how you guys do all the packaging here. It's all hand packaged. You've got the, the machine that does the shrink wrap, right? But as far as assembling the candies, that's all done in-house yep. right here. Everything is done by hand, and the only thing else I'll touch on is, you know, as we grow, the one thing that won't change is the product. So we do have to automate steps as much as possible, but everything is touched, yes. Everything is, you know, done by hand, and back to that handcrafted, family handcrafted since 1964. So, uh, yeah. How can people find out about Fosh's chocolates? Maybe somebody's interested in bringing their class here. I wish, I wish my school knew about this long, long ago, <laughs> right? And this is for all ages. We're talking kindergarten Absolutely. up to... So, uh, of course, websites are always good, and ours is that fashaschocolates.com. We actually have a shortened version of it, F-A-S-C-H-O-C, Fast Chalk. It's our short version. But oh, I e like that. Either one works. Uh, but more importantly, the easiest thing to remember for the... Uh, chocolate uh, experience experienceyourchocolate.com experienceyourchocolate all spelled out .com we own that URL that goes to an event specific site which of course is tied into our home site and our home site does have a shopping cart it has descriptions of all our products it has our history it has all that good stuff 
we've separated out the events piece just so people can remember experienceyourchocolate.com that's the easiest one special thanks to carmen romeo of fascia's chocolates he made all of that possible a behind the scenes tour and he also was very kind in that he gave me the education of chocolate information i probably would have never gotten anywhere else so carmen i really appreciate it and i recommend everybody check out fascia's chocolates in waterbury ask if you could go down that hall and see into the factory through the glass, because you will be absolutely amazed. Easy access off exit 36, northbound or southbound Route 8. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080.